0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq, we're going to be recapping UFC 236, Dustin the Diamond Poirier just defeated Max Holloway, he is now the interim UFC lightweight champion, and Israel Adesanya defeated Kelvin Gastelum to become the new UFC interim middleweight champion, both epic fights, epic performances, got my man Shaq with me here, we are both in attendance, uh, Shaq, what's going on man?
1: Not much man, uh, I'm still kind of recovering from that great card even though it's Tuesday, but uh... I'll definitely never forget it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, how incredible is it to see a guy like Dustin Poirier who, you know, he didn't get his title shot by, by saying a couple of funny quotes and, you know, he didn't just beat uh, whoever was hot at the time, you know, a long time ago. Like, this is a guy that's paid his dues. His slogan is paid in full because he's been through all the ups and downs that any fighter should go through before they reach this kind of accomplishment. And uh, talk about someone who's truly deserving to be called a UFC champion.
1: Yeah, Dustin had one of those Bisping type of pass, man. Uh, You know, he's been in the UFC since uh, 2012 when he beat Josh Grisby. And, uh, it was a long road, lots of losses, a lot of embarrassing losses like uh, the Connor and Michael Johnson and a lot of guys, man, they would have just uh, succumbed to the notion that, you know, they'll never touch the belt except us and Poye. man. He put his head down. He uh, took the fights necessary to uh, get back to those belts. Main events consecutively. Pettis, Gaethje, Alvarez, and now Max Holloway, all former champions. So it was definitely earned.
0: Yeah, no questions asked. And I mean, ever since he moved up to 55, look, at 45, he was already a, a perennial top five guy. Super exciting. All those fight of the nights, all those performance of the nights. But since he moved up to 55, his power is translating on an on a even different level. He's going out there knocking out guys that have never been knocked out before, wobbling guys that don't often get wobbled. And it seemed like in his initial run at 55, he was already about to get a title shot, but then he had that stumbling block with Michael Johnson. Now, with a lot of guys, you take a setback like that, you'll never be the same. And it seems like with Dustin Poirier, after he took that loss to Michael Johnson, not only did he come back, he took things to a whole nother level. It seems like we're seeing a brand new Poirier. I mean, hence why he's got that, that UFC belt around his waist.
1: 110%. Like I said, not too many, uh, not too many guys... Would have uh, bounced back from L's like that, and that, that's not the only one, man. He he had a few, and he's all he's always come back from. Them. And like you said, at one fifty five, his power. I feel like he might be the best power puncher in the division, uh, especially out in space. I mean, uh, I think he's got the third most knockdowns and uh, I mean knockouts in lightweight history, and that's only in ten fights. I mean, that's not considering the career he had at one hundred forty five pounds. So he's definitely one of the biggest power threats in the lightweight history. And how about Max Holloway, man? Uh, you know, to beat the number four pound-for-pound pound guy, a guy who, you know, people were saying uh, whose best his best work is going to come at 155 pounds later on in his career, and to, you know, pretty much go ahead and shut that down was uh, pretty impressive.
0: There were so many things that were impressive about this fight. Once again, nothing's ever been handed to a guy like Dustin Poirier. He, he, he wasn't just, uh, you know, win a couple fights and you get a title shot. It's win a couple fights and win a couple fights against former champions, and now you get to fight a current champion on the pound-for-pound list, the guy in Max Holloway who, you know, people are saying uh, could very well be the number one pound-for-pound fighter on planet Earth. I mean, people were talking about they want to see Max Holloway versus Habib. so for Dustin to go in there and beat a guy like that the way he did really sent a message, and what was interesting to me is in the pre-fight, people are talking about how, You know, Dustin's best chance is to win a KO. If this goes to scorecards, there's no chance he wins. And, you know, KO or bust, this or that. Extremely disrespectful things they were saying about him. That uh, he couldn't match the output of a guy like Max Holloway. Well, not only did he match the output, Shaq, it turns out that this fight between Holloway and Poirier had the most significant strikes landed uh, by by two parties in any UFC lightweight title fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, if it did go the five rounds, you know, personally, I thought that Dustin going into the fight, I thought that Dustin was going to be able to catch him at some point. But, uh, you know, you could, you could kind of see somewhere in that, uh, second and the second, third round that most likely that, uh, Max is going to be here for the five rounds. And, uh, you know, it's not only that, you know, the the volume is a lot of people forget. I mean, he threw a lot of punches in that Justin Gaethje fight. That was a, a, a tremendous amount of punches that he threw in that fight. Of course, it might not be able to necessarily meet the exact number that Max Holloway throws. Max is a, definitely a lot lighter and that's his specialty volume boxing. But, uh... He doesn't. When Dustin, when your name's Dustin Poirier, you don't need that many punches, man. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you hit guys and they start stumbling all over the place. So I thought it was a great strategy, a great game plan. You know, I'm glad some of these fans aren't judges. Uh, you know, I see some people saying that they think Holloway won, but I mean, you know, at worst case, he could say three-two. I think uh, first two. Definitely Dustin. first round was arguably 10-8. I mean, how many times does a guy have to wobble in a, in a round? Holloway fought well. I, I think he gained stock in that performance. I don't think he lost stock in that performance. I think he might have one or two couple tough fights at 145, but you know, I think uh, he's still a great champion. And Now, I'm just glad that Dustin Poirier finally gets that recognition as a great fighter after all these years.
0: Not just as a great fighter, as a UFC champion, because that's exactly what he is. And We got to talk about how the fight went down round by round because when that first round started, man, and you you see that Dustin Poirier violence, he has this killer instinct where when he hurts someone, he'll start teeing off on them in a way. And it's like with a lot of other people, you might be criticizing his technique. You might say stuff like, oh, Max throws straight down the middle and Dustin Poirier throws loopy shots, but... Man, those loopy shots are fucking accurate. They're so powerful. And uh, he got his head off the center line for a good majority of the time, Shaq. It was it didn't, it didn't seem like he was eating too many clean ones in there. So that first one go that first round goes on and uh, wobbles him a bunch of times, arguably gets a 10-8. I actually thought the fight, I actually thought he was in route to get a first round knockout, Shaq.
1: Yeah, for a second it seemed like that. Uh, I mean, generally when he starts letting his hands go against the fence like we've seen uh, against Eddie and uh, Justin, he generally gets a knockout, especially it was real early in the fight, man. So, you know, I was thinking they were uh, both fresh that, you know, you know, I definitely questioned Holloway's ability to take a poie shot going into the fight. So, you know, uh, was I surprised that it happened that early? I mean, a little bit, but, you know, and that's just only because uh, – just the excitement level of the fight but you know uh i did think he was gonna get him out of there man Uh, i was i was surprised that you know a 45er could eat those shots
0: man well that 45er is just not any is not just any 45er he's hawaiian and man he's got a granite chin it reminded me of like bj penn in his prime the dude can just eat whatever you throw and come back with his own but but an even better version man because i mean max holloway that volume that he accumulates it's truly something else man so First round went to Pori. Now, the second round comes out, and, you know, people next to me were like, oh, Poiri is taking this round off. You know, the first uh, couple of minutes, it seemed like Max was starting to get back into the fight. But then, once again, Dustin rocks him at the end of the round and goes ahead and uh, seals off two rounds in the back.
1: Yeah, pretty much just like you said, it looked like Holloway, you know, after a round like that, of course, Pori is going to be a little tired. Um, and, you know, Holloway took advantage of that with his volume punching. And then, uh,. With about a minute and some change left, uh, another wobble. And, you know, he 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 didn't uh, fully hit the canvas, but uh, he definitely dropped down uh, with his back on the fence. And then Dustin landed that right hook that wobbled him again towards the uh,
0: very end of the second round. So, yeah, man, two two rounds, oh. So 2-0, third round starts. Now here, you got to give the third round to Max Holloway. Max Holloway started putting on his volume now. A lot of the shots weren't landing clean. I got to give credit to the defense of Dustin Poirier. And, you know, I said this on the pre-fight. And, you know, obviously people now know that we did take those plus 185 odds on Dustin Poirier. You can you can tell us at bestfightpicks.com. But it seemed like in that third round when Max started to tee off, you know, I remember people talking about how, oh, Dustin Poirier is chinny and this and that. And uh, I always found it super disrespectful when people criticized this guy's chin. Because like I mentioned on the pre-fight, the way he fights automatically he's going to eat more shots than most fighters because you know he he's not a guy that's uh you know going out here running away from his opponent he goes toe-to-toe with every single person he fights so right then and there, it's gonna leave the openings for more shots to be landed by his opponent and that being said he was eating the volume of max holloway the same volume that folded a guy like anthony pettis the same volume that set a significant strike record on ortega's face the same volume that got him that legendary moment against ricardo Lamas where he pointed down to the center of the octagon well he did that to dustin Poirier. And, yes, Poirier was recovering. Don't forget, and th- about that. Don't forget about that
1: volume on Jose Aldo, either.
0: I haven't forgotten that. I doubt Jose has either. But, uh, you know, that same volume, uh, it didn't even faze uh, Dustin Poirier, Shaq. Dustin ate it like a champ, and when it was time to return some of his own, He did, and every time he landed, Max 100% felt it.
1: Yeah, you know, I feel like, like we said going into the fight, you know, Brian Ortega really doesn't have much to fall back on. He's more of a Hail Mary sub guy or a comeback type of guy. We know Jose Aldo uh, gets tired after the first round historically. Still both great fighters, but, you know, they definitely have evident flaws. You know, Poirier doesn't really get tired, man. Cardio's not really an issue for him with those those uh, knockouts against Gaethje, his wars against, you know, Joe Duffy in the past. Uh, I mean, uh, this guy is a dog, man. Uh, it's so funny because on the Countdown show, I remember uh, Jorge Masvidal saying that. He was just like, man, DP's just a dog, man. And uh, it showed out there, man. So I think in hindsight, it was just a very, very good matchup.
0: So we got a 2-1 heading into the fourth round. Now this was the round that could have gone either way on a couple different people's scorecards because Max was starting to get off with that volume. He also had he also ended the round with that Darce choke, but he also ate that huge knee by Dustin Poirier. So I got to know, man, how did you score that fourth round?
1: Yeah, man, you know, like, you know, the fourth round it definitely looked like Holloway was continuing continuing off his third round for a good 3 minutes or so. Although he was Probably slightly ahead, the round was still within reach. For Poirier to grab, and I think that knee did it. I mean, the knee when the knee landed, and you get a clear reaction from Holloway like that, where he wipes the blood, and next thing you know, his face his face is covered in blood. The second after that, you start you know slipping and ripping him a little bit. You start jabbing, start jabbing him a little bit, and the blood accumulates. I think he stole that round. You know, of course, him putting himself in that dark choke at the end was a little risky, but uh, it was only with like a second left. So damage versus. Uh, what Holloway did earlier, I just think the knee was such a pivotal moment of that round. That was the biggest thing that happened in that round. The, the thing that made the crowd go ooh and ah. So, you know, I have to give that round to Poirier. But you know, if if one score a bad judge could score for Holloway, it was definitely within reach. But personally, I scored that round for Dustin. But definitely knew it was a close round.
0: Live, I thought that Dustin Poirier won that round. But when I went back and rewatched it, I see the case. For Holloway taking it but once again man I got to go back to that damage when when Poirier landed that knee in my eyes that was the most significant moment of that of that round so that's why I scored it for Poirier live if you want to be nice and give that to Max okay I understand but I personally had it for Poirier and then it comes back to that fifth round where once again Max starts to get off on a bit of his volume but man what was interesting to me about that fifth and final round was that towards the end there Dustin started to pin him up against the fence, started to kill a little clock, and then once they met in the center of the octagon, they started trading those final blows. Once again, Dustin landed the harder shots, which clearly affected Max Holloway. So I did give him the fight. I did score it for Dustin Poirier. And I know people are saying that 49-46 is a bit off. I respectfully disagree. Look, at worst, 48-47 Poirier. But I think the people that are scoring it for Holloway are extremely biased. And I love Max Holloway, one of my all-time favorite fighters. But... I saw Dustin Poirier defeat Max Holloway, Shaq.
1: Yeah, 100%. I scored the fifth round. A lot of people where I was sitting were saying it was 2-2 two, two or 3-1. After that fifth round was over, everyone agreed Poirier won that fifth round with that uh tie-up positioning on the fence. I thought he got the better of the boxing that round, moved forward a lot more. So I definitely thought he won the fight. Max
0: fought well, you know, like he says, it is what it is. Yeah, and talk about... A really classy guy and Max Holloway the way he handled this defeat I feel like a lot of fighters could really learn from a guy like Max Holloway you know he he didn't make it about himself you know he didn't pull an Alan Juban where you know me and you saw that I know we had a by the way what was he crying about again Alan Juban what was he he throwing a temper tantrum about again I mean the guy landed zero strikes and he's and he's like are you fucking kidding me it's like Alan are you fucking kidding me you know what I mean? Uh, so, much res- we'll, we'll get to that fight in a second, but much respect to Max Holloway for not going out there and you know pulling an Alan Juban when, when you lost the fight. Even if you think you won, you know, he really let Dustin have his moment inside the octagon, also when he got on the mic, and also afterwards, man. Max Holloway is the definition of a class act. I, I can't wait to see him back at forty-five. I still think that he runs through most of the division there. But this night simply belonged to Dustin Poirier. And now, once again, you talk about his, his quote, paid in full. It truly has been paid in full. Now he's the UFC interim lightweight champ. And uh, this sets up the big shot versus Habib Nurmagomedov.
1: Yeah, this is uh, going to be a tough fight. We know what be bring to the table. Probably the greatest lightweight of all time. It's gonna be a tough test, but I see. I've always heard, you know, people say like Holloway was supposed to fight Khabib. You know, I feel like Holloway could be a good matchup for Khabib, or a uh, uh, Justin Gaethje. I hear people are saying is a is a bad matchup for Khabib. In the past, I've heard them say, you know, Eddie Alvarez was a bad matchup for Khabib, and uh, now he gets to fight the guy that whooped all of them. So
0: definitely very intriguing to me. I think that Dustin Poirier hits a lot harder than Khabib, but it comes down to can he deal with what the other 27 men haven't been able to deal with which is getting this guy off of you because when Khabib's on top of someone he's raining that that ground and pound from the heavens man so that's an entirely new challenge for Dustin Poirier to get ready for I mean you go from fighting the number one volume striker in the entire sport in Max Holloway to now you're fighting the number one ground and pound guy in the entire sport so Dustin Poirier Man, he's really going through a murderer's row. He's been through a murderer's row his entire career, but the last few fights, champion after champion after champion, now he gets to fight what many people consider to be the lightweight goat, Habib Nurmagomedov. Uh, What kind of chances do you give the diamond?
1: Look, man, anything can happen in there. You know, although Khabib has been very dominant uh, for the most part, I mean, he maws everyone. There has been moments where, you know, guys have touched him before. You know, it's not like uh, he's... 100% hundred percent invincible. I mean no one's invincible. He's definitely been touched. I mean there was definitely exchanges in that eye akin to fight, um, although it was a day notice. Um the Michael Johnson fight. Uh, but you know, like you said, when he when he gets on top of these guys, they generally will, man. So we'll see what uh we'll see what happens. But if anyone's got the best punchers chance is Dustin Poirier.
0: What's so cool to me about seeing a guy like Dustin Poirier touch gold is that he's one of the most exciting fighters in the history of the sport. You know, we already talked about how The guy paid his dues, and no one deserves it more than him for what the guy's been through. You know, a Bisping-esque situation. But how about the fighting style, man? Because Dustin Poirier has always been a guy that's brought the violence. He's always been a guy that's must-see TV. So for someone like that to be wearing UFC gold, it's really awesome for me because, you know, and, and I got mad respect for all the champions, but for example, And no disrespect to T. Woodley, but I wasn't necessarily calling my friends to tell them about the next T. Woodley fight. You know what I mean, Shaq? Whereas over here with my boy Dustin Poirier, you know I'm calling every single person I know that the Diamond's fighting, right?
1: I mean, yeah, all of his fights are exciting. If anyone can name me, uh, like, even somewhat of one boring fight, you know, I'd like to know. But uh, even when he lays on people, it's exciting, you know? So uh, the Joe Duffy fight, uh, for example, so... He's one of the most exciting fighters. He has been for a long time, in my opinion, and I'm I'm finally glad uh, that he got that recognition.
0: Now, Shaq, what was it like for you, someone who's been uh, on the Poirier train since day one, what was it like for you seeing him touch gold right in front of your eyes?
1: Man, it was incredible. I had money on him. He was a, a, a big underdog. A lot of people were saying he had no chance. A lot of people were saying uh, Holloway's a great fighter. He's a good fighter. You know, so it was definitely satisfying uh and now we and now we move on, you know, I just think it was just a good moment, man. You know he's been through a, a lot of uh, a lot of like I said a lot of things that a lot of guys would have just succumbed under the pressure, man. I think the move up to 155 was great. He's never really he's definitely got a loss, you know, to, to Michael Johnson, but he's never really been outclassed at 155 in my opinion. You know, uh, he definitely got caught by Michael Johnson, but uh, so when he made that move to 155, man, I, I was a little I was a little worried when he made that move initially. But the guys that he's beaten, Carlos Diego Ferreira, who still went until this day, the first. First guy to really KO Bobby Green. Yancey Medeiros, he's a tough guy. He, he starched him in the first round. Joe Duffy, who at the time was the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, the list goes on, and then this current list of former champions, man. So it was good to see.
0: I've been to many UFC events, and this was probably right up there with Bisping winning the belt, man. It was truly a special moment to see the crowning achievement for Dustin Poirier, a guy that has really earned That belt around his waist man it was unbelievable so can't wait to see him and habib run it and for max holloway once again pure class one of the best fighters on planet earth i still have him on the pound for pound list no doubt about it he's still the featherweight champ and uh what i want to see next for holloway is i want to see him if if volkanovsky beats aldo i want to see holloway versus volkanovsky what do you think
1: yeah i think that's pretty much the 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 facto number one contender fight right there i don't see who else is in the picture uh, Hanato lost. I, I still think Sabit needs a couple fights with his uh, habitual quitting in the third round. So, you know, uh, I think, ex- ex- uh, like you said, if Volkanovski wins, that, that
0: title shot should be his. So, man, Kelvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya also went down in the ATL. And talk about an epic title fight. Talk about a dog fight, man, because on our pre-fight, what we were saying the entire time was that Yeah, we think Israel's super talented, maybe even a future world champion, but we haven't seen him tested in a real back-and-forth fight. We haven't seen him in that dogfight against a top-five guy. Well, Shaq, now we have seen him in that dogfight versus a top-five guy, 2-2 to going in that fifth round, and Israel goes out there and gets the 10-8 round in the fifth. So, hey, man, he answered the one question we wanted to know. He went out there and answered, Shaq.
1: Yeah, when when the going got rough... He dug down deep. He bit on that mouthpiece and he pulled out one of the greatest fifth round performances of all time. I mean, that, the, the crowd was definitely, uh, I mean, my eardrums went out during that, man. Uh, especially after the fourth round, even after Kelvin hurt him. And, you know, the fight was just good, man. Kelvin came out, got off to that very good start by wobbling and dropping him. And then, you know, it looked like Israel was going to run away with it in the second and third rounds just with that, uh, you know, just his solid point fighting with his low kicks and his Kelvin's leg was going all the way up in the air. And then Kelvin found a home for that head kick in the fourth man. It was crazy, and uh, Israel man, he dug down deep. That's what we wanted to find out if he could finally beat a real top five guy, and that's exactly exactly what he did. So now I know. Now we know a little bit more about him. We know that uh, if the going gets tough, that he won't quit. Uh, you're not gonna, you know, take this guy's back and and you know uh, just get an easy tap out. I mean, he showed off his ground game. I mean, uh, he's 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 the real deal, man. And now he's got this fight with with uh, a fellow Aussie and Rob. So I can't wait for that both guys are talking mad shit, too So I can't wait for that
0: man. It's not even that it was just a tough fight for for Israel It was a real life-and-death type war where both men got dropped both men wobbled Both guys ended up on their back at different points in the fight and for Israel to overcome that kind of adversity in that moment where it counted most I mean that that's some champ shit right there, man Uh, That's exactly what I needed to see for proof that hey he's he's not just a future world champion he's a champion right this second so I'm so impressed with both guys and as far as going round by round you know the the fight starts off and people are wondering how's Kelvin gonna close the distance on the 9-inch reach advantage of uh, Israel Adesanya and man he put the pressure on Israel Adesanya right off the bat that first round and the fourth round were two of the best rounds of Kelvin Gasolum's MMA career and the way he was he was walking him down, his hand combinations. It looked like Kelvin looked as fast as he's ever looked in that first and fourth Shaq.
1: Yeah, I agree. Definitely his best two rounds, especially that fourth round. But uh, I think it, I think Kelvin fought well, man. He had a good game plan. It's just that reach was, it was definitely a lot for him to overcome. You know, offensively he could definitely get off get off on some things. But we've always known Kelvin kind of relied on his chin to uh, you know. He would uh, sacrifice uh, a little bit of defense just to rely on his chin a little bit. And uh, this fight, this particular fight, with the range that Israel had and the tools that he had, it just it backfired finally in that fifth round. And uh, you know sometimes the the chin uh, can only take so much. And you know that I feel like that's what happened, but you know it was either it was up for it, it was there, man. It wasn't like he fought bad. It, I mean, uh, I still think Kelvin can go on to to realize another UFC title shot in a couple fights, man. I, I don't think he's far off. You know, I kind of want to see him fight Yoel Romero now. I Feel like he could still complete his mission for gold, man. It, it just uh matters on circumstances, injuries, you know, pull out. So Kelvin's got nothing to hang his head on. Israel, he's got that swag, he's got that flair, He's just got that i don't want to say or to him but he's just very confident man and uh the fact that you know going into that fifth round a lot of guys would have been looking real wide-eyed they would have been looking real uh lost or already knocked out but uh the fact that you know he got through that was very impressive and he's a he's a real
0: champ when that fifth round came around you could have already been like you know i gave it my best shot but he literally kicked into a a whole new gear, and discovered a piece of himself that he might have not even known he had, man. To dig that deep and get that win was truly something special. And what I was most impressed with, technically speaking, was Israel's hands, man. Because I've always thought the dude had incredible kicks. I thought his distance was on point. But I always kind of had questions about his hands. You know, he's a kickboxer. He's not a boxer. But, dude, some of those straight counters, man, with those straight punches down the middle that he floored Kelvin with... That was some beautiful shit that I haven't seen in his past fights, man. You know, he wasn't able to do stuff like that to Brad Tavares, a guy that I thought he would have been able to knock out. So what it shows me is that Israel is evolving. Man, he's really discovering new parts of his game. And now his his uh, his uh finished product is going to be something really scary, man. So I can't wait to see what happens uh with him and Robert Whittaker.
1: Yeah, uh... Robert Whitaker, he's been on the sidelines for a while he uh you know due to some health issues but let's see how he, let's see how he comes back the way he's talking it's got me really excited for this fight you know let's see who the uh the king of New Zealand or Australia whatever which one it is but uh Rob we know that he can he has the ability to put anyone's lights out with a punch or a kick We know the type of striking level that Israel brings. We know both guys like to drop their hands a little bit. So I definitely see someone uh, getting knocked out in that fight.
0: So, as far as the scorecards were concerned, 48 46 on all three cards. Did you agree with that score?
1: Yeah, 100%. You know, first round for Kelvin, second and third for Israel, fourth for Kelvin, and yeah, 10 8 for uh, Israel in the fifth round.
0: We're in agreement there. So now we know with Israel. It's Rob Whitaker next. So the question is, who does Kelvin fight, man? Because obviously he's going to have to take some time off, heal after such a war where he gave everything. And not only that, man, prior to that, he had that title shot taken away from him in the Rob Whitaker fight where he woke up on fight day and they told him, sorry, Rob had to pull out. So he already had a full championship-level training camp for that, then the Israel fight, Kelvin's going to need a little break, but uh, when he returns, I mean, are you looking at a guy like Paulo Costa? Do you want to see the Yoel Romero fight? Uh, maybe even the winner of Jacare versus Hermanson? What's your opinion?
1: It just depends on what happens with some of these upcoming fights. Like, uh, well, first he's got to take a break. I'm, I'm assuming at least six months off. I feel like, like I said, he gained stock in that fight, so I don't think he needs like an- another five, six fight win streak. I think he probably needs about two solid wins. And then I feel like he can uh, get back in there. So I think, you know, if uh, if Hermanson beats Jacare, that could possibly be a fight. But if Jacare wins, they've already fought before. So, you know, uh, then I feel like you would have to go the Yoel direction. Yoel and him have never fought. Yoel's been, uh, I can't tell you, when's the last time he fought?
0: The second time versus Rob.
1: Yeah, so I think we could see them. I don't think Boratina deserves that fight yet. He's only, uh, you know, I feel like the Boratina-Yoel fight's only compelling just because they, they got beef. So, uh, you know, I feel like Borrachina... I mean, they're going to have to test them at some point. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But uh, I like the Yoel matchup. Both guys are top five. Whoever wins, they both uh, want to get right back in there with Rob or or Israel. So I feel like Yoel is the fight.
0: I'm never going to say no to a fight between Kelvin Gastelum and Yoel Romero. That will be absolute chaos. And I, I, I'm very curious where they would line a fight like that. And, man... Khalil Roundtree Jr. defeated Eric Anders 30-26 on all three judges' scorecards. Now, a lot of people were very surprised by how Khalil looked in that fight, and obviously looked amazing. But uh, if you go back and you listen to our preview show on Half the Battle, not only did Shaq pick Khalil Roundtree, but we put an emphasis on not only the improvements that Khalil's been making, but that there was a massive speed difference on the feet in this fight. And... uh, It really showed, Shaq. Khalil has been one of those cases of a guy that uh, I
1: don't want to compare him to Cannoneer, but I'll kind of compare him just in the fact that, you know, they've both been kind of taking some L's. But, I mean, the guys that they were fighting, McCall and Johnny Walker and and Cannoneer's case Reyes and Blahovich we're definitely on a different level than the guys they were fighting and you know the guys they were fighting had those inflated reputations for for whatever reason eric uh mainly just due to his football background but i I feel like going into this fight it was clear it was evident that you know eric's just not this guy that people think he is he's very slow he's a he's big he's a tough guy he stayed in there for all three rounds but uh khalil's been making improvements in his game man even though he's been taking some l's there has been improvements he's been making improvements in his grappling. Uh, he just ran into Johnny Walker that night. I mean, <laughs> Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker has got the attention of Johnny, uh John Jones already. So that just shows you the level uh, he's on. But it was a good win for Khalil. That was a good. He's been training with the Hick, Hickman brothers in Thailand. I mean, look, if he keeps improving, Khalil might actually start to realize some of that potential that people thought he had when he first came onto the scene. So for Eric, you know. Ah, I don't want to say I think it's over, but unless he gets a, a cupcake type of a, a opponent, he's a very nice guy, but, you know, uh, it's the fight game.
0: Yeah, he really is. Uh, we got to hang out with him a little bit. Eric's a super, super cool guy, man. only wish that guy the best. Uh, I'd love to see him and Paul Craig run it one time, you know, get Eric back on track there. But with Khalil Roundtree, you know, we were already mentioning the improvements he made on that pre-fight show, how, you know, against Tyson Pedro and Andrew Craig – I mean, Andrew Sanchez, who was the most embarrassing thing you'd ever seen when it hit the mat, but then against McCall, who, in my opinion, is one of the top prospects at 205. You saw Khalil get back up to his feet almost every time. So that right there, I was like, oh, shit, he's been making improvements. Fought Johnny Walker, who I'm very high on Johnny Walker. I know some of y'all ain't sold on him, but I'm super sold on Johnny Walker. I know he's the real deal. I know he will be fighting for a UFC world title within the next two years. So I didn't see any shame in losing to a guy like that. But here against uh, Eric Anders, he had the best performance of his career. The speed was just way too much for Eric, and uh, Eric wasn't able to get anywhere near close uh, to get this one in the mat. So this belonged to Khalil Roundtree Jr., and now it's time for, for a step up in competition, man. And what I'm thinking is... To me, I don't care if he fights the winner or the loser of this fight. I just want to see him in there with with one of these guys. I want to see him in there with either Jimmy Manoa or Alexander Rakic next. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a good fight. That's a very good fight. Um, I could see him. I could see him knocking out Jimmy Rivera. Uh, not Jimmy Rivera, but uh, Jimmy Manoa.
0: Oh man, he he punt Jimmy Rivera into the tenth row. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, I, I I
1: like that fight.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, and uh, for Eric, I mean. What kind of layup do you want to see him get? I mean, are you thinking of Paul Craig, or is there someone even uh, below that list that you'd like to see him unfortunately, unfortunately,
1: you know, they only give Paul Craig prospects. So, you know, uh, I, I, I'm i a guess that – I'm a personally guess that's not going to happen. but uh, Sam Alvey? You yeah. know, I, I guess <laughs> something like that. I mean, Alvey uh, – yeah, By the fight. way, Shaq.
0: How bad would Eric Anders versus uh, Sam Alvey be, just in terms of a stylistic matchup? Because you know they'd stare at each other for three rounds, right?
1: Yeah, they both don't pull the trigger, and who's both... gonna
0: throw a punch? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they're both slow, so yeah. Um,
0: Eric Anders versus Jean Valanche?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, like like that's the route they need to go with Eric for sure. Um, and it's sad. I mean, the guy when uh, went from fighting Maluko to getting that shot against Lyoto. And, uh, I mean, I guess things just didn't pan out.
0: Yeah, so far they haven't, but I'm hoping that he can get back on track. Super, super cool guy, so I only wish the best for him and – Props to Khalil, man, biggest win of his career, did it on the biggest platform of his career right before those two big title fights, and he really showed out, man. It looks like that work in Thailand's been paying dividends, but not only the work in Thailand, just looks like all the experiences that he's been through, he's finally starting to mature, he's starting, finally starting to realize that potential, so I'm pretty excited for a guy like Khalil Roundtree because I know you guys remember a couple years ago, you know, uh, especially me, I was super harsh on Khalil, you know, you guys would expect a funny speech every single time he fought, but now... Like I said, even on the preview show, I acknowledge the improvements that Khalil made before this fight. And now after the fight, uh, it goes to show that we were right. And just even more so than that, who cares if we were right? It was props to Khalil, man. Uh, he went out there and did his thing. And it was cool to see uh, someone you know, re- realize uh, their potential after all the shit that they've been through. So I'm happy for him. Welterweight division. We both had that plus 115 on Dwight Grant to beat Juban. Now, allegedly, this was a controversial fight. Now, to me, it was more controversial because it wasn't the most exciting fight in the world, and, you know, Juban had his reaction, but if you actually go back and watch that fight, and you guys might say I'm biased because I had a bet on Grant, but, I mean, I'll admit if I thought I lost, but I, I think Grant clearly won the first two rounds, and I don't think there was any controversy about that, Shaq.
1: Yeah, you know, it was a a close fight. You know, I feel like Juban definitely won the third round. Uh, The first two rounds is what I can't grant. Definitely won the first round, in my opinion. I thought he executed his typical game plan of sitting back and countering. Juban definitely tried to be a little bit more cautious than usual. He he knows that that chin definitely... uh, can't take the same shot that it once did not that that chin could take a shot but he definitely played it a little more cautious he definitely fainted a lot more before he entered the pocket but when he did enter the pocket he got touched he blocked the shots but the it wasn't like he was necessarily doing anything offensively to really separate himself so I scored that round for Grant just based on you know the harder shots uh the second round was very close you know uh, I felt like It was more of a standstill, man. It was just a close no one was really in the head so i'm not saying Grant had a went out there and had a great performance i thought Grant actually fought complete opposite from what i wanted him to fight like but the big notion on this fight going into the uh going into the weekend was that if it goes to the scorecard juban's gonna win because Grant has this sit back counter style but i kind of disagreed with that because i don't think juban's really won a clear-cut decision from start to finish before the second round was close look if i would have lost i would definitely wouldn't have complained I would have just, you know, sucked it up and uh, moved on. But, you know, they scored it for us. I thought we did enough to win the first two rounds. I knew it could have went either way, and it is what it is. But for Juban to be, you know, you know, throwing a little hissy fit and temper tantrum out there like he clearly won the fight, you know, I, he needs to calm down.
0: Yeah, what was funny to me was that on the pre-fight show, I was giving people shit for making fun of Juban, for being a male model, saying how Juban always fights like a man. Juban never goes for takedowns, and... What was funny was that Juban went for a takedown in like the first minute of this fight. I was like, oh shit. So he actually does fear the power of Dwight Grant because normally Juban doesn't give a fuck who you are. He'll uh, put a line in the sand and stand toe-to-toe until one man falls. And that just wasn't the case against Dwight Grant. Maybe he did see that Zack auto fight where Zack didn't engage whatsoever. And that made it a tough fight for Grant. So Maybe uh, Juban came in here with a different game plan, man, uh, because he felt like if he would have actually attacked Grant, he would have gotten knocked out. Now, in that first round, when Juban did decide to commit to his strikes, he got countered hard. And I know we've talked about how Juban gets wobbled every fight and how he's a bit chinny. Props to him for eating uh, those two shots that he ate in that first round, man, because you saw in the slow-mo, you saw that facial expression, you saw his eyes roll back, the fact that he didn't even do a little chicken dance or nothing. He just stayed there in the pocket. Hey, Much respect to Juban for taking that. So, Grant definitely got that first round. Now, how how did we score that second round? I'll tell you how I scored it, man. Juban didn't do shit. Look, he walked forward the entire time, but he didn't land any shots. And in the beginning of that second round, Dwight Grant actually landed some very hard shots. He took the next two minutes off, but in those next two minutes, he took off. It's not like Juban did anything to get those points back. So, the most significant damage and strikes landed in the second round. 100%. No controversy in my eyes. And again, this isn't because I cashed a bet or this or that. Once I'll let you know if I lose, but uh, I, I thought I clearly won those first two rounds. And then third round, we can give it to Juban because he got the takedown at the end. So I got it 29-28, Dwight Grant. That's what two judges had it. One had it 30-27, Juban, which, uh, you know, I, I let you guys know in advance that there might have been some wacky scorecards uh, over here in Georgia, but the the right man won, Cash that plus 115, and now we move on. So... What I kind of want to see is uh, both of these guys lost decisions, and I want to see Alan Juban versus Curtis Millinder. What what do you think about that, Shaq? you think Alan Juban would stand and bang with him, or you think he'd uh, try to follow the game plan that's been uh, showed many times to take this guy down?
1: Uh, I don't know. I feel like it probably won't be the fight that uh, it once would have been just because Alan can't take a punch anymore and Curtis... uh... (laughs) Curtis is about to take some time off, so uh, I feel like this should go the route of, you know, maybe a, a Juban versus... Uh, man, you know, what I'd really like is for James Vick to move up to 170 pounds, come get this Juban fight, but, you know, he, he's a little bit too stubborn. But uh, how about Juban versus uh, Carlo Pedersali? Uh You got Juban versus Max Griffin. Juban versus... What about the kid uh, Nardiev? I mean, there's a lot of options you can go with Juban.
0: If Vic wants to move up to 70, that's a great first fight for him. Uh, if you want to get nardy of a showcase, I understand that. But what about Dwight Grant, man? Because what I feel like, if he if he's in there with guys that are running away from him, it's going to be boring. But if he's in there with guys that are actually going to fight, fight him, it's really exciting. Uh, the question is, what kind of guy is going to go out there and try to trade with him? Right now, I kind of wish Paul Daly was in the UFC so we could see Dwight Grant versus Paul Daly, but... Who do you want to give Dwight Grant the kind of fight where it'll be exciting and a guy that's not going to, you know, be too scared to strike with him?
1: It's a good question, man. Uh, I feel like uh, if we weren't considering losses and losses in uh, UFC records, I would say a good fight for Grant to uh, at least counter someone would be, you know, a, a Frank Camacho, even though he's one and three in the UFC. But, uh, I mean, at least it's a guy that we know... that. Is going to fight him. But another good fight for Dwight Grant I'd like to see is Alex Murano, man. You know, Alex has been on a, a nice little win streak. Uh, seen, he's won his last two fights. Yeah, he's 5-2 and two in the UFC. Grant's 2-1. and one. I feel like uh, Murano and him, you know, I, I feel like they would have a good fight, man. So uh, I like that fight, Murano versus Dwight Grant.
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in for that fight, dude. I like uh, Murano versus Dwight Grant as well. I was going to actually suggest Jordan Meehan, but I, I like st- stylistically I like your suggestion better. So let's go with Grant versus Murano. Now, first fight of the main card, Nikita krilov got his revenge over Ovin St. Provia's second round rear naked choke. I did catch that plus 130 on Nikita Krylov. Uh, I thought that fight should have been a pick-em, so definitely had to take those dog odds. But what was so cool to guys like us from here in Atlanta was that this is the second time in a row that Nikita Krilov lights up the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia with a second round finish. You know, at UFC 201, knocked out Ed Herman with that head kick. UFC 236, taps out Ovin St. Preux. But what was really most impressive to me, Shaq, was the improvements that Nikita krilov's made on the map because ovin saint Pru, you know despite what his training partner said uh because I talked to them after the fact they were all like what the fuck were you shooting for man like why were you trying to wrestle you're not a wrestler ovince I was like man that's where Nikita's weakness is. I actually thought Ovens came out with the right game plan trying to wrestle, but it was credit to Nikita Krylov for the improvements that he's made because we always criticize his ground game, how, you know, he's not making the improvements we want to see, makes all these big mistakes, doesn't let go of the neck, you know, and uh, has no control of the body. That's why he got Von Fluid. But this time, whenever he got taken down, nah, man, Nikita Krylov stayed composed, got back up to his feet, and uh really looked like he worked very very hard for this rematch Shaq uh, it, it paid off whatever whatever he's been doing in the gym paid off that night my man
1: yeah th- generally he's had a, a trouble in the past of you know when guys get on top of him he completely you know would shut down and uh and you know either get tapped out or you know yeah pretty much get tapped out so you know uh, OSP, you know, going into the fight, we did say he's a deteriorating fighter. He fights with his hands down. I feel like Nikita in that second round hit him with a shot on the feet that pretty much started the, the process for OSP of running himself into the ground. You know, OSP has just been constant worse after worse after worse, man. So, you know, Nikita went out there. He uh, finally didn't quit when he got taken down. And uh, he made OSP quit when he uh, got on top. He got another submission and he keeps his spot in the top 15.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it, and for Krilov, it wasn't just in that second round, man, right when the fight started, he starts coming after him with multiple shot combinations, you know, throw two punches, then follow it up with a kick, and some very beautiful stuff, right from that karate background, and again, when it hit the mat, which is the thing I was most worried about, he stayed composed, he didn't do anything dumb. Really played it by the book. Didn't hang on to the neck too long like he did the first time. I was like, my boy uh, Krilov's been putting work. Then he got some takedowns of his own. Then he took the back, sunk in the choke. You know, I picked Krilov. I bet him at plus 130. I was expecting a uh, second-round head kick knockout. But it was a second-round rear naked choke. So that's just credit to Nikita Krilov's improvements and what's interesting about him is that he actually has more submission wins on his record than knockouts that's a, a little a little MMA trivia for you guys there that was his 15th win via submission and he keeps the uh, the no scorecards uh, record alive and what I mean by that is Nikita Krilov's had about 31 professional fights and all 31 of them have ended inside the distance he's got 10 wins by knockout 15 wins by submission and he's been stopped 6 times inside the distance as well. So, Nikita Krilov, you can always count on him for an exciting fight that's not going the distance and man, the kid's only 27 years old. He's just a kid, Shaq, and he's got that much experience. I really did think it was a mature performance, man. I really felt like despite the fact that OSP is somewhat declining is you know isn't uh, what he once was, I got to acknowledge the improvements that Nikita Krilov has been making and Man, I'm really excited uh, to see who he fights next. You know, there's definitely some options in that light heavyweight division. Someone that I was thinking for Nikita Krylov is a legend of the sport. Someone that is often counted out, but every single time he fights, it's always exciting. And he still has knockout power to this day. I want to see this as a co-main event, maybe even a main event on a fight pass card, on a regional card. I want to see Nikita Krilov versus the great Shogun Hua. What do you think, Shaq? Yeah, that would be a great fight. Shogun
1: Hua is a legend of the sport coming off that that big win over – who did he beat again? Uh, Tyson Pedro. Yeah, Tyson Pedro. Yeah, and he was a big underdog in that fight. Yeah, so I like that fight. Or uh, another good uh, matchup that I like that uh, might surprise you is – you know, Nikita, I think he was number 15 going into that fight. You know, another uh, light heavyweight prospect that might need uh, some testing, I feel like Nikita might be uh, a good test for him, is how about uh, Jimmy Croot?
0: Oh, wow. shit. I did not expect that. But, you know, for a fact, I'm very intrigued by the prospects of a Krilla versus Crute fight. I mean, that'll be chaos, and I guarantee you that his uh, not-going-the-distance uh, streak will continue in a fight like that. So, Krilov versus Shogun or Krilov versus Kroot, sign me up. And as far as Ovince is concerned, now we're at the point where let's just keep feeding him to our prospects. So what I'm thinking is, if Mikhail Olegsechuk is able to successfully beat Gulov, I want to see Mikhail Olegsechuk. Get the Ovin St. Pru fight. I mean, it's a step up the ladder. You beat Ovin's, automatically gets you in those rankings. He's a guy that's been in there with John Jones before, so he's got that name. I want to see McCall Oleg Zaychuk versus Ovin St. Pru.
1: I mean, yeah, that would be a good fight. McCall, feel like that'd be an easy fight for McCall. Another uh, another fun fight would be uh, how about giving Khalil Roundtree the OSP gift, you know?
0: Man, I like that too because once again, you have the questions about what happens if Khalil hits the mat. And Ovince is a guy that pressed the issue his last fight, trying to get Nikita down. Let's see if he can get a guy like Khalil Roundtree down. I- I'm in for that as well. You know, again, fighting Ovince always looks good on the resume. So if Khalil really has been making these improvements, let's see uh, Khalil versus Ovince. I'm I'm down for that as well. So we can keep it short on this fight. Uh, Fervola went out there and beat Jalen Turner. I mean, we both picked Fervola on the show. We knew that Turner, you know, he's got the physical attributes, but. It's, he's nothing special, man. He's just. If he wasn't six foot three with a 78 inch reach, he wouldn't be in the UFC. Just leave it at that, Shaq.
1: Yeah, he's definitely a lot. Uh, he definitely looks a lot scarier than what he uh, really is. And, you know, for Vola, like I said, he's been making a, a somewhat improvements in his game, at least as where I feel like Turner really just got blessed with that fight against uh, that math teacher. So, good one for Steamroller for Vola. I, I like
0: the kid. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let Sean and Mick match him up, man, because. The suggestions I have <laughs> would get both these guys what, killed. What, what, uh, I mean, we I can really get some suggestions. Because uh, I mean, I, I know y'all don't y'all don't want to see a Devontae King Cage in there with either of these guys, right?
1: They're trying to give King Cage top fifteen guys, and uh, rightfully
0: so. Um, what, what do you, you want to see for frivola and Turner, man? I mean, honestly, I want to see Turner fight, you know, some of my friends like uh, Robert Hale and shit like that because I think that's an easy win. But since that's not going to happen right now. Who's someone else that uh, we can get a nice win uh, with a fight with Turner?
1: Man, it's a, it's a it's a a few good options, man. You know, for Vola, he he's a young. Uh, I mean, this fight he wasn't too exciting, just because I feel like it was more just due to the fact that this kid Turner's got uh, a lot of reach on him. But uh, you know, I feel like you know, how about uh steamroller for Vola versus Alex White? Uh, That'll be a good fight.
0: That's true. That's uh, I like that, and Alex actually scored a takedown in his last fight, which shows he's been making improvements. So, uh, okay, why not? Steamroller for Vola versus Alex White. And uh, anything for, for Jalen Turner?
1: Oh, man, Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner needs a little bit of seasoning. Man, who's a... How about Jalen Turner versus Jesus Pinedo?
0: Just make sure it's first fight of the night, Sean and Mick. Yeah, I'm in. So, Alexandre Pantoja walk through Wilson Hayes and uh, you know we both picked Pantoja but I thought it was going to be a really close fight. I thought both guys were going to take each other's backs and it's going to come down to that third round and scramble fest and uh, Pantoja put him away in under three minutes. It was the straight right. Finished it off with some ground and pound and uh, Alexandre Pantoja just entered the top three of the flyweight division Shaq.
1: Yeah, the cannibal. The cannibal keeps getting better. He bounced back from that loss to Dustin Ortiz. And I mean, the the type of beatings he's been putting on these guys is kinda it's kinda scary, man. The Moreno beating was, you know, pretty horrendous and then followed up with a quick little win over Sasaki and now to beat the number five guy, former title challenger, Wilson Hayes, uh, was very impressive. Pantoja, man, he might be a win away from the title. I actually do have a, a good uh suggestion for his next fight. This guy called him out on Instagram after Pantoja got that win. So now I want to see Alexandre Pantoja versus Dice Dugeha. Let's see how Dice Dugueha, uh, Davison uh Figueredo, bounces back, back after his first loss. He said he still wants to fight at flyweight, so we'll, we'll see how he does. But uh, that's the fight I want to see.
0: Yeah, I like that fight, but I was just going to ask is... Is my boy Davison able to make the flyweight limit anymore? He made it last time, but it feels like seems like it takes so much out of him. But as far as a pure matchup, I fucking love that fight, man. A Pantoja and uh Figueroa. That's a hell of a fight I'm in. Another one where there's a weight issue would be Alexandre Pantoja versus Ray Borg. You know, everyone's acting like Ray Borg should have won his last fight. I know we cashed a plus two sixty on Kenny, but everyone's saying ray borg got robbed well ray borg missed weight for a weight class above if he gets his shit together and wants to return to flyweight I- i'm down to see uh, alexandre pantoja get a shot at the former number one contender ray borg so either way uh, it- it's a big fight for alexandre pantoja no matter what shack and for wilson hayes if he's still looking uh, to compete inside the ufc's octagon there's always the tim elliott fight which would be exciting Ryan Benoit, we don't know what he's up to these days or maybe even Wilson Hayes versus uh, Magomed Bibulatov. What do you think?
1: Uh, you know, I, I don't feel like some of those guys should get blessed with the with the Wilson. You know, how about letting my boy, you know, uh, Casey Kenny either get that or how about letting uh
0: Bonterine get that or you know uh Paiva, yeah. Paiva wow. you know let, let, let one of the guys that need to get it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Let one of my new prospects, my boy Jordan Espinoza, one of these guys at because there are a bunch of new prospects and I fucking love all these new kids. Espinoza, Paiva, Bontorin, Casey Kenny, so I, I agree with Shaq. I'm wrong on that one. Wilson Hayes should definitely fight one of those up and coming prospects. Now Max Griffin fought Zalim Imadaev. It was a majority decision. Man, I picked Max by split decision on the show, but, you know, uh, how'd you score the fight? I think we all scored the first round from Max. The real question, how'd you score the second and third?
1: Man, I actually thought this fight was, was really close. Um, you know, I definitely thought Imadaev fucked himself over when he lost that point, um, so he still would have lost the split anyways. But, uh, man, it was a good fight. You know, I felt like emidia i mean we knew he wasn't you know that russian like uh like a khabib or a a sedner magomedov or anything like that but you know i felt like it was a close fight i felt honestly i felt like it could have went either way but with that point deduction i was definitely expecting griffin to probably get his hand raised but uh you know griffin probably did more damage but it was definitely another one of those close ugly fights uh emidia I mean we knew he was a dirty Russian going in, he definitely uh tried his tactics. But Griffin, I mean he the vet the vet prevailed, so congrats to him.
0: Yeah, Griffin did exactly what he had to do in that fight, grind it out as best he could. It seemed like the stand up of Imadaev was more dangerous than we initially thought. And I, I think both guys will be will be back, especially Imadiev for him. Go out go back to the practice room, learn from your mistakes. I think he come back he can come back a better version, but for Griffin You know, I think this is his finished product, man. So now it's about who do you match up a guy like Max Griffin with next. And, man, there's definitely some options. But another guy that's in a somewhat similar position to him, you know, a little bit inconsistent, but a little bit talented, you could do Max Griffin versus Peter Sabata. You could do Max Griffin versus Jordan Meehan. So what do you think is next for a guy like Max Griffin?
1: Yeah, Max Griffin, I feel like he's one of these guys that, you know, he's going to hover around that one below 500-500 more than likely for uh, for the remainder of his career. But I still think he's a solid, you know, exciting fighter. Um, I feel like those those matchups uh, you, you said uh, were pretty good. You said, who'd you say, Sabata, uh, Jordan Mean, maybe even a uh, – Maybe a, a, a str- you could put a Strickland in there against them. Uh You know, I feel like another fun fight would be him versus Jake Matthews, possibly. So, Max Riffon, I mean, look, I, I like watching the guy fight. So, I'll definitely be tuning in. Uh, and uh, he's a solid guy.
0: And for uh, Zalim Imadaev, there's actually some fun fights you can make at 170 to get him his first win. You know, if Chad Lepree wants to stay at 170 pounds. I'm down to see Imadaev versus Chad Lepree. I know Shinsho Anzai is still with the company. I'm down for that one. Or maybe even uh, you know, Bartos the Butcher have a nice little stylistic clash, striker versus grappler. Uh what, what do you think's next for Imadaev?
1: Man, I wanna see Imadaev in there against Keenan Song, you know. I feel like that'd be a good matchup for him. And uh Imidyev, I, I see him winning I see him winning a few fights in the UFC, so I feel like uh they could do that somewhere in China or somewhere.
0: Yeah, I like that as well. Sha- Shaq's got the best suggestions today. Ima Keenan Song, because obviously Ima likes to go forward, throw big bombs, and Keenan Song likes to sit back and counter. So there's a chance one guy could get knocked out. And speaking of someone getting knocked out, Khalid Taha went out there and defeated Boston Salmon in the first round, in the first 25 seconds of the first round. And this is the the one bet that I lost at UFC 236, you know, thinking that uh, – Listen, Boston Salmon came in here with serious boxing credentials, boxed Errol Spence, and you know, if he would have been able to go all 15 minutes, who knows what would have happened, but he didn't. Khalid Taha came out there, threw his big bombs, and uh, stopped him right away, Shaq. That was very impressive on Khalid's part.
1: Yeah, Khalid didn't give him a chance to fight. I mean, he closed the show before the fight could even develop, and props to him. That's how you... uh come through as a as an underdog you know salmon had a a lot of hype coming in and taha came in with that 12 and 2 record he didn't really seem that impressive going in but one thing we know about him is he will swing and uh that's exactly what he did and he caught him man you I mean props to him if if uh, those two main event fights didn't go the way they did taha would have had 50k for sure
0: yeah and man you know what i want to see next for taha i know this guy's coming off a loss but they both have very similar styles, especially in that first round. I want to see Khalid Taha versus Guido Canetti. I feel like those two would stand and bang until one man falls. Shaq. Yeah, that's a that's a
1: very good fight. Guido Canetti, uh, he's very exciting. That's for damn sure. He definitely comes out guns blazing. Uh, personally, you know, I want to see. Uh, I want to see Khalid Taha in there against Chris Gutierrez. You know, I feel like both of them have sim- similar uh, records, both 1-1 one and one in the UFC, both coming off dominating performances after a loss. So uh, that's the direction I feel like they should go in. Both guys like to scrap Taha as a big power puncher. Gutierrez likes to use a little bit more movement. So I feel like Gutierrez versus Taha is the fight.
0: And, man, Bilal Muhammad went out there and dominated Curtis Melender. And what was interesting to me was that I thought if this fight stays standing that Bilal might be in big trouble. And it was actually Bilal that went out there and got the better of the of the stand-up exchanges, was able to mix in the takedowns as well. But the whole first round, he didn't shoot at all. And uh, he got a 30-26 on one scorecard, Shaq.
1: Yeah, I definitely thought he lost that first round. But those next two rounds, man, he did what he had to do, solidify the takedown. We know Curtis's weakness. Curtis wasn't able to to fix that weakness in, uh, in a month. So Bilal did what he had to do you know, put your head in between this guy's leg, get him to the mat. And, you know, even on the feet, it definitely wasn't the the big advantage that some thought it would be for Curtis. And that's just mainly due to the threat of the takedown. So, you know, that was weighing on Curtis's mind very heavily. And uh, I feel like it played a factor in the fight.
0: And Bilal's earned himself a step up in competition, or at least a big name, you know, whether it's a fading legend, whether it's a, a shot at the top 20. Because the guy's been putting in work. And talk about getting right back up on the horse after his setback to Jeff Neal goes out there with a very dominant victory over Curtis Melender. Once again, i got to put emphasis on how good his stand-up looked because we all thought that, man, if he doesn't get this fight to the mat, he could be in big trouble. I mean, it was a pick him for a reason I I cashed that minus 120 odds on Bilal. But, man, he rocked him with that left hook. He was landing some big shots when he wanted to take him down in that second and third. He did that. And what I'm thinking next for a guy like, uh, like Bilal Muhammad. You got to give this guy a step up. And I just saw that the guy I wanted to match him up with is already matched up. You know that Tiago Alves is fighting that Loriano Steropoli guy? Did you know that, Shaq? Yeah. So Tiago Alves ain't going to be it. But man, what about Bilal Muhammad versus Anthony Rocco Martin?
1: I definitely could see that fight happening. Both guys are top 20, 25. So I I definitely think that's a, a realistic option. Uh, Tony Martin, uh, Sean Strickland, uh, Nico Price, you know, so somewhere along those lines, those top twenty five uh thirty guys, maybe even Morono for him too, or uh Claudio Silva, something like that.
0: Yeah, I like that uh that Nico Price suggestion. Bilal Muhammad versus Nico Price, that, that sounds like a good ass fight to me. And for Curtis Millender, listen tell me what you think about this, my man. If this guy is still on the roster What about Curtis Millender versus Mickey Gall? Um, Mickey's going to be at the UFC, bro. (laughs) (laughs) But if they give him one more fight, I like that matchup because, you know, striker versus grappler, uh, we might get a close line on Curtis. Uh, I mean, what do you think? Who do you Uh, want for Curtis? I think
1: think Curtis would kick his head off into the fifth fifth row. row. (laughs) I like – but for a different matchup, how about uh, Curtis Millender versus – you know, after with these two losses, maybe it's time we give them someone that, you know, you know, kind of stand up with them a little bit. You know, I feel like they could do uh, Curtis versus uh, Luke Jumo. Uh I see Brian Kamosi still on the roster. That's surprising. Uh, or how Roll about Curtis?
0: Curtis versus Randy Brown? Interesting. Curtis versus Randy Brown. I never even thought of that. You think uh, Randy's going to be shooting in that one? Oh, yeah. Everyone's going to be shooting on Curtis now. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> All right. I like that. But, man, I kind of personally hope they match him up with Mickey Gall because, you know, Mickey might think that he's got some advantage on the mat. I mean, I don't give a fuck what Mickey thinks, but uh, if he's still on the roster, you you know the deal here. But, man, speaking about a championship-level performance, I was blown away by Montel Jackson's win over Andre Sukumtath. Now, I know he was minus 500. He was expected to do that, but... Sometimes when you're that high of a favorite, guys go out there and play it safe and they don't actually look like minus 500 favorites. Montel Jackson looked like a minus 1,000 favorite, Shaq. Uh, The only thing I got to know is how the hell was one scorecard 29-27? Which round did anyone score for Sukumtath? Can someone explain that to me, Shaq? Man, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I'm going to guess
1: the first round, but like... But like I guess just because Sukum Touch, I guess, landed he a punch, punch that round. That round but uh,
0: uh he got slammed twice and he wins the first yeah. round. You know what
1: I mean? <laughs> but uh man. Montel, like we said going in, Montel, this is a guy that will be in that top fifteen by the end of the year, probably before the end of the year. Uh I mean look, the guy's just a freak. I mean, there's no other way to put it. He <laughs> he's a he's a special athlete, man. Bigger hands than Nganu. And, uh, you know, I I don't even feel like he should be fighting, you know, I mean, now that he took care of a guy like Sukumtach, who's, you know, a a proven vet, you know, a guy that's never been finished, uh, you know, no matter what, it's going to be somewhat of a tough fight. He went out there and made it look easy. So that lets me know that he's, you know, uh, a step ahead of guys on Sukumtach's level. So I feel like it's time to test Montel, even though he's, less than two years into his pro career, it's time to test him with something a little bit more formidable, man. Uh, You know, I feel like this guy is a future top 10, 5, maybe even a a, a title challenger down the line. So, you know, I feel like Montel deserves a very big fight. I think it's time to test him against that top 15. You know, I got two opponents in mind for him, you know, I think uh Alejandro Perez would be a, a good uh a good fight for uh Montel. Alejandro's number twelve or thirteen. He's only he's, what, seven and one in his last uh few fights. That'd be a good fight for Montel to break into the top fi- uh top fifteen. Or a Tomas Almeida, I mean, I can't tell you the last time that guy fought, he's still in the top fifteen. He already fought Ricky Simone, so out they're going to do a rematch there or how about a a Rob Font you know it's it's time to put Montel in in those rankings
0: like all those options for sure I don't think that there's any need at this point to give him another cupcake or anything like that because the guy the level he's on right now and the improvements he's been making fight by fight it's truly scary I mean that UFC debut against Ricky Simone not only was it short notice but he had been pro for less than a year barely a year slightly over a year I mean He'd barely been a pro. He goes out there against a uh, you know, top 15 guy on planet Earth and had that kind of performance. Rebounds with the first-round finish over Brian Kelleher and then puts that absolute clinic on Andre Sukumta And, man, that clinic he put on Sukumta man, wasn't just on the mat. wasn't just on the feet. It was an MMA clinic. He hurt him badly standing. The way he mixed those straight punches to the kicks, to the takedowns, and the speed of Montel Jackson in those combinations, especially in that second round. I've never seen him throw hands that fast. That's why they call him Montel Quick Jackson. It was truly a championship-level performance. And I even looked at you and I said, this kid is a future world champion. I truly believe that. And I think he's actually ready for the top 10 right now, as crazy as that might sound. And there's a guy in that top 10 who I think is very respectable, who I think has an incredible record, who I think would actually challenge Montel Jackson and give him a real fight. And that's a uh, Cody Stamen. I want to see Cody Stamen versus Montel Jackson. I think that'd be a very competitive fight. But if they if they have other plans for Stamen, because I know who he's managed by, I know they carefully pick those fights. If they, they want to take it a, a different route, you know, there's this guy named John Dodson that we're feeding to all our prospects these days, and uh, I think that Montel Jackson, despite being pro for slightly over a year, and despite John Dodson having the resume he does, wins over T.J. Dillashaw, Pedro Munoz all these guys I think Montel Jackson is ready for someone of the caliber of John Dodson right now what's your opinion on that
1: yeah you know Dodson's probably gonna get fed to these uh guys coming up you know him and Montel and Staman got the same manager so you know it's kind of <laughs> it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see if they if they actually do fight but uh You know, yeah, I like that Dodson fight. I feel like either Montel or Stamen could get that fight next. I definitely see a a Dodson getting one of, you know, a a Simone, a, a Stamen, a Montel, you know, something like that.
0: And the more I think about it, the more I really want Montel Jackson versus John Dodson. Just John Dodson would have such a hard time closing that distance on him. We'd get a nice line on it. And Montel might even be the first man in UFC history to finish John Dodson. So... Sign me up for that. That's the fight I want to see. Take away my Cody Stamen suggestion. I'm in for Montel Jackson versus John Dodson right now. So Pollyanna Botelia went out there and beat Lauren Mueller. It really comes down to how you scored that second round. First round definitely went to Pollyanna. Third round definitely went to Lauren Mueller. All about how you scored the second. And, you know, I personally thought she edged it out. Got the first two rounds. Respectable performance. And uh, a good rebound for her after the disappointing loss against Calvillo.
1: Yeah, I mean, she did enough in that first round uh, to get off to a good lead on the points. And then that second round, she pretty much kind of coasted, uh, just, you know, stalled her out on the fence. And it's a good strategy. It works. But, you know, going into that fight, we knew that she uh, she's a she she's a, she's a Nova girl, man. Well, what's the common issue that uh, Nova now fighters have, man? They, they gas out in those late rounds. And that's exactly what happened. Mueller just got started a little bit too late just due to her greenness, the fact that she's only got five or six fights. But, you know what? Uh, uh, Batello got through it, and she's 3-1 and in the UFC now.
0: Definitely. It's going to be interesting to see who they match her up with next. But, man, the first fight of the night between Brandon Davis and Randy Costa. Talk about starting things off with a bang, man, because Brandon Davis and Randy Costa, they threw down really hard. Both men wobbled. Both men got dropped. One guy got finished, and uh, it was cool seeing the Atlanta-born Brandon Davis go out there and get his first UFC finish, and not only that, uh, you know we saw him Friday night, he came into the gym, super cool guy, so to see him go out there, get that kind of response by the ATL faithful, go out there, get that finish, not only that, man, you heard the pop from the crowd, Brandon Davis looked as relaxed as they get, man, uh, he really showed his vet experience there against the then 4-0, Randy Costa.
1: We know Brandon is one of these guys that, it might not be the prettiest, but one thing uh he's definitely coming to do is let's put on a show man he definitely fights he's not one of these guys that likes to wrestle unfortunately in a lot of his fights he has been wrestled because he's fighting uh, guys like barzola point fighters like uh bosniak man that just hug his legs and that's not the type of fights you want to put Davis in. now you know we know most likely he's not going to be you know a top 15 guy or anything like that but i feel like this guy could have a good career as just a a entertaining fighter man they put him in the right fights he's got a good personality so I feel like Brandon Davis with the with the right matchups can have have a long UFC career.
0: Yeah, no okay. doubt about it. I know he called out Sean O'Malley. Uh, Sean's actually got another fight booked that hasn't been announced yet. You know what it is though, Shaq. But uh, so I guarantee you, he's not getting that O'Malley fight right now. So what I'm thinking, man, and I, I know we we suggested a different matchup for this guy earlier on the show, but now that I'm thinking about it. Look, both these guys are coming off big finishes at UFC 236. Let's see uh, Brandon Davis v- versus Khalid Taha. You know for a fact uh, those two are going to stand and bang until one man falls.
1: Yeah, that would be a good fight. You know, I-, I had something else in mind. How about uh, Brandon Davis versus either Andre Ull or uh, Jonathan Martinez, man? You know, those guys, both of those guys are 35ers. Uh, both of those guys aren't going to most likely take him down i feel like ull and him will just stand in front of each other and see who the better man is so i like i like i like the fight you said but i also uh like these as well
0: and for randy costa you know talking about a kid that's only four and oh at the time making his ufc debut i was very impressed man he came in there he threw some super hard shots and some of those shots that he hit brandon with probably got his previous opponents out of there already and you got to see what kind of heart this kid has because Oftentimes when you hit someone with your biggest shot and you're already used to them going down from the regionals, they don't go down in the UFC's octagon. You know, some of these kids could freak out, and that was not Randy Costa. He didn't freak out. He was simply beaten by the more experienced guy. But I thought he had a very good showing, and I feel like they should give him a little softball now. And there's this guy named Barrett Candere who's on the roster who I would love to see uh, Randy Costa get a win over. The only issue is Barrett Candere is suspended for two years because he tested positive for for some some shit so he's gonna be out till 2020 but i would love to see randy costa get that win but if that's not going to happen there's this other guy named wuli Buran buren who's still on the roster, and I, I think that's a that's a pretty good win for uh, Randy Costa as well. But if they want to take it a step further, maybe give him a step up in competition because he did look impressive despite it being an L. There's another guy coming off an L on this card uh, named Andre Sukumtut. So my options for Randy Costa are Barrett Kandere, Muligi Buren, and Andre Sukumtut. What's your, what's your opinion on that, Shaq?
1: Yeah, Randy Costa seems like a good fighter with a good... Uh... A lot of potential, a lot of power for one thirty five. I think he just finally found met a guy that ate his best punch and that's pretty much all it came down to. Did he really belong? In the UFC at 4-0? Probably not, but I actually found out that I feel like he probably does have the skill with a little bit more seasoning, a little bit more time, a little bit more, you know, cupcake opponents uh, going on. I feel like, you know, Randy Costa should only be fighting, you know, low-level newcomers or, you know, how about Ryan McDonald, the guy that fought uh, Gutierrez, you know? I feel like uh, Costa and that guy could be a good fight. They're both fairly green, so uh, Costa versus Ryan McDonald.
0: I would say uh, Randy Costa... favorite in that fight but man UFC 236 such an epic card especially the last two fights really cool to see Dustin Poirier realize UFC gold and Max Holloway such a stud Israel Adesanya Kelvin Gastelum with the fight of the year contender Israel went through the dogfight he passed it got that gold around his waist Kelvin will be back just an unbelievable card start to finish man and uh truly blessed to have been able to witness it in person they can follow you at MMAgenius05, they can follow me at BestFightpicks. You can get our bets at bestfightpicks.com and uh, I highly recommend you do because this year I'm absolutely killing it up 14 units with a 55% ROI on the year. So I mean basically I'm back to my underdog roots as you guys know, bestfightpicks.com. Also, we got a cool section of the site called Stats and Facts which basically Really cool ass stats and facts for MMA betting that you guys need to check out. You know, if you're not sure about certain things, like who's got the most uh, submission wins, KO wins, decision wins in UFC history, the entire list of undefeated fighters on the UFC roster, the performance bonus list, just a bunch of cool stuff made my made by my boy at Heartland UFC. Make sure you check that out and let us know if you have any cool suggestions of some more stats and facts you want to see at bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, and Spotify. We sincerely appreciate all the support you guys have shown us. And it was really cool to meet some of you at UFC 236. Shaq and I will be back later this week to break down UFC St. Petersburg in a few days. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.